This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. You know, I'm curious about something. Do you believe that a broken heart is perhaps the catalyst for most things that we create and move towards in our lives? Do you think that tragedy is the underlying spark of our most important work? The jury is honestly still out for me, but time and time again on this podcast, I have guests come on the show who are doing beautiful, impactful work that have all come to parts of their stories where it gets really, really hard. And then that's when something in them changes. For Theron Humphrey, my guest on the show today, this statement has been one of the truest statements for the trajectory of his life. And it has been a wild one. Here's the scoop about my guest today. Long story short, Theron is well known on social media for his adventures with his coonhound Maddie. They've traveled the world together and started documenting their travels on Instagram when most of us didn't even know what that was. I'm positive, absolutely certain that you've seen the duo on Instagram under the username This Wild Idea. They are iconic and wonderful. Theron is also a photographer who has published two delightful books, Maddie on Things and Maddie Lounging on Things, capturing the hearts and imaginations of dog and adventure lovers all around the world. Ultimately, he shares how his creative process and journey brought him to this place where he finally realized that he was enough, with or without his accomplishments. And he tells us how he came to that conclusion today. I don't know if any of you have been paying attention to this, but here's a fun fact about today's show. Theron is our first male guest on the podcast in more than four months. This was intentional because we've been really feeling the push to learn from women, more so than ever at this time in history. I think it's kind of cool, and I know that I've really enjoyed it and grown a lot from it. For those of you who have noticed that we've had a lot of powerhouse women on the show repeatedly, that was 100% intentional. And now, today, this week, we are switching the gears a little bit with Darren's story. I'm Brandon Harvey, and this is Sounds Good, the weekly podcast where we have conversations with inspiring people who are rejecting cynicism and using their lives to make an impact. Let's just jump straight into this conversation. I am so excited about it. Theron, so for many people who follow you online, you know, they know you in association with your beautiful dog, Maddie the Coonhound. And so I feel like a great spot to start would be, you know, tell me about where Maddie came into your life. Tell me about <laughs> I, I don't I actually don't know this. <laughs> like most great stories in my life, um, the catalyst for something was uh, a broken heart. Hmm. And, uh, <laughs> but this is now years ago. I was living up in Idaho, which is uh, like the first like real job I got out of school. And one of the really cool blessings that came out of that relationship was uh, the girl's day that time had a really wonderful dog and I became quite fond of it. And then her and I went our separate ways. But 
I just had that uh, connection mm. made with her dog, and I just and I just like wanted that for myself, and I just like loved that idea of like travels with Charlie, John Steinbeck, dog in the front seat. Yeah, and um, I left Idaho and shot this photo project for thirty days, and then when that was finished, I was like, I need to do this for a whole year, and before I left to start traveling to shoot that uh, documentary, I was like, I got to get that dog hmm. that I've been looking for. So literally I hopped on petfinder.com uh, and... Which is great. Yeah, wonderful resource. I mean, I think pretty much everyone, at least in their search to bring an animal into their life, uses that website. Yeah, it's, it's fantastic. It really is. And yeah, I just searched for Coonhound. <laughs> uh, you know, I was born and raised in the South and those are just like the dogs that were around. Yeah. And I just, like, wanted to feel connected to my sense of place. And Maddie was the first one uh, on my search. And Amazing. I was like, oh, she kind of looks like a deer. That's so great. <laughs> and I went down there that day to see her. It was outside of Atlanta in uh, DeKalb County. Was it DeKalb? Yeah, it was, it was outside Marietta, which I think is DeKalb. I'm sure your listeners will be emailing if that's not correct. <laughs> <laughs> All your listeners. Everybody cares. <laughs> And uh, yeah, I went to I went to see Maddie uh, at the kennel, which is like a very different experience for me because uh, that facility is uh, state run, and there was mm. like kind of like inmates in there, like mopping and cleaning, and obviously like low kind of security uh, folks, and uh, it was very nice. But it was all kind of self service. I went and got Maddie out of her uh, her kennel and went to the playroom, and she didn't give a lick about me. She was just like running around the room, sniffing underneath the door. And just, like, paid me no mind. And I was like, oh, what a bummer. Obviously, you know, I'm not her person. (laughs) And I put her back on the leash and was walking her back to the kennel. And on that walk back, she pressed her body against my leg the whole way back. And I was like, I can't leave you in there. That's, like, the sweetest thing ever. So I literally walked up to the front desk and was like, I love to take this dog home. And they're like, $40. And I was like, (laughs) okay. And then I had a dog. That's amazing. (laughs) Yeah. I was, I guess, a long-winded version of that, but that's how it, how it came together. Wow. And that was the beginning of your time traveling, you know, mostly full-time, huh? Yeah. My, um, I mean, my Instagram uh, handle, This Wild Idea, was uh, founded on a documentary that I shot, I mean, goodness, seven years ago. Okay, wow. I mean, <laughs> I know, right? Dang. I guess that's how long Instagram's been around. Maybe Instagram's been around eight yeah. years, but something I like that. I bet I first started following you in 2012. Yeah. So about a year or so into that. Yeah, man, it's been a minute. And uh, yeah, so that's where it came from. I was literally traveling to all 50 states. That was the wild idea. That was the wild idea, like to meet a person, to photograph them kind of in their home, to like record their story, and then I would post online. I yeah. did it like every day for a year. And that's kind of how everything kind of started swirling together. So like Maddie was traveling with me, that dog that I just adopted, I literally had her for like two days. Huh. I mean, we were just getting to know each other. And she was traveling in my truck, and I just started to photograph her with my iPhone. Uh, it might have been a three at that time. I start, it, was, it, was, <laughs> it was in the era of Instagram where you couldn't even access your camera roll. So like, funny. Like you had to like shoot the photo in app and post that. So that was the era that it began. So yeah, I would just start photographing her because she was with me. Yeah. Well, and I remember your documentary work that you were doing and it was mostly up on your website. You yeah. know, it was this amazing portraiture, great storytelling, 
but your Instagram was mostly Maddie. Yeah, it seemed. Yeah, and that's how folks were using Instagram to start with. Like, if you're in the photo world, you'll kind of remember that all the pros um, weren't really taking the platform seriously. It was like, oh, that's just a place for kids. It's just a place for uh, food photographs or bad filters. Yeah, that was the total thing. Like, nobody was, like, putting their best work on Instagram in that season. So. Um, you know, my background is in photography. Uh, you know, I have my MFA in photo. So, oh, I didn't know that. That's amazing. <laughs> it just means I had more debt than you. <laughs> <laughs> and it was uh, harder to pay off. Yeah. <laughs> you know, because like in, that mindset was like you put your best work on your website yeah. to like be in a magazine to be hung on the gallery. And Instagram is just like daily snapshot. Don't think twice about it, which is kind of like what made it great. Totally. And then it just like, you know, kind of those two ideas kind of have melted together. Totally. You know, you had started this journey of of traveling full time. What's that like? You know, because I think a lot of people kind of romanticize that. They dream of that. And Mm -hmm. obviously you're still doing that. So you're interested. But, you know, in those early days, what was that experience like? Yeah. In the, I mean, the early days, um, you know, the catalyst for kind of going out there to create something was somebody along the way told me that you're the most disappointing human being I've ever met. And like that was my kick in the butt was like, I'm going to go prove you wrong. Wow. Which, you know, like, you know, life's a journey. You have to trust the process of life. But I can ultimately tell you that's not the best place to create from. No. Because like ultimately what happened was I was using photography and travel to like redeem myself to like to prove this person wrong. And really, I mean, the truth is, is like, you know, I'm enough without, um, without photography, without Instagram, just like living and existing and, and being me is enough. Yeah. At this time, were you actively aware that that's what you were doing? Or is this kind of more in hindsight you were able to process that you were running from that? Oh, it's always in hindsight, right? Because, <laughs> uh, I mean, because I'm an, if uh, I imagine a few of your listeners are real into the Enneagram. Yeah. And uh, wait, it, for, for those who don't know what the Enneagram is, five second description. Oh, man. Uh, it's a tool for understanding your shadow self, meaning understanding what motivates you. In your subconscious. Amazing. Okay, continue. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. interestingly enough, like two-thirds of our life and decisions are subconscious. Like hmm. we, we don't always have awareness that they're happening and going on. Um, so, so I'm an eight. So, you know, kind of like the, the, the charge of the eight, even though it might feel like a cliche, is like take the time to connect with the inner self which probably for a lot of people that sounds like some kind of, you know, trope of sorts. You know, <laughs> reconnect with yourself, yeah. but really that's like, you know, the need for the and for, it's, for But the it's eight. also one of the greatest challenges, huh? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, because, you know, vulnerability walls, you know, real thick walls of, of defense um, are kind of uh, the typical mechanisms of an eight. Yeah, you know, I was like really creating that work from – a place of like trying to find meaning and purpose and really the meaning and purpose was that I needed to, to, to discover through doing all that was like, I am enough, hmm. which 
for me is um, to really say that and feel like a warmth in my chest is uh, took a lot of work to get to that place. During the process of maybe being unaware of this, you know, you're still traveling, you're meeting mm-hmm. people in every state. Um, I met you a number of times in different states, and I've always found you to be like so warm and, and welcoming, you know, and so it's not like you were like devoid of this warmth this entire time and then you hit a wall, you know, do you feel like there was a growing process during that whole time or, or did you hit a wall at some point? What, what did that kind of look like? Yeah. I mean, part of it is that, you know, I was born and raised in the South, you know, as a part of that, like, you know, you're just kind of like really instilled in you to be polite yeah, and to be nice. But, okay. you, but um, you know, it's also really easy to operate under the idea of like achievement. Because, like, if you kind of discover how to thrive in life, how to interact with people, how to get by. How to win friends and influence people. Yeah, exactly. It's like, oh, if I kind of behave this way, no one's getting upset. Yeah. I can connect with people in a in a way that um, leaves everyone feeling good. Yeah. But kind of ultimately there was, like, a lack of – connection within myself because like the thing is is like if you don't love yourself you can't love anybody else like if you're not putting your oxygen mask on on the plane first you can't help anyone else you know like you got to do you you got to heal yourself and your wounds so essentially I just discovered the way to thrive in life and get by and be successful and then at what point did you I guess transition to to working on that inner self because something that I've really admired about you over the last it seems like two years is the way that you've publicly and in person shared about you know you've shared your heart in a really really authentic way and you've you've dove into your internal life a lot I think yeah and and, and once again the catalyst was uh, a relationship for really? art yeah there's it's a, there's funny a, how that happens, huh? There's a pattern in my life, Brandon. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and essentially what happened was um, it got to a point where I was feeling like a pinball machine on the inside mm-hmm. when I was uh, in the middle uh, of this relationship with a girl. And what I didn't, I didn't understand because I was like, oh, man, like I found all this like, you know, kind of my personal success like, you know, to the scale of, like, what I enjoy. And I was like, you know, I've been, I've been traveling alone so long. I feel so strong and confident. I've always been very self-assured. Uh, but then I found myself in the middle of this relationship, like a pinball machine on the inside. Like, why do I need this girl's love so bad? Like, what is going on? And that relationship ended in a really difficult way. Um that wasn't a conversation. It was just um, kind of, it was just an email and it was done. And it just led me like really devastated and lost. And thankfully I had people around me here in this Nashville community that were busy doing their own work. They were looking inward. They were trying to unpack their life. They were trying to heal their wounds. So I had this really beautiful guide to go off of. So I was like, instead of blaming someone for mistreating me and kind of doing me wrong, I was like, I'm going to use this as an opportunity 
to look inward and ultimately unpack my life, my childhood, my story, and to use that relationship as a mirror. Because that's like where, that's like kind of the circumstance of that relationship ending I could control and, and, and do something with. So, yeah. So essentially that relationship ended and like a week later... I was in therapy. Wow. I was about to ask, what did you start with? Where did, the, <laughs> where did the process begin? Because it's terrifying thinking about, you know, jumping and diving into your interior life. And especially if you're coming from a place of heartbreak, it's mm-hmm. got to be difficult to know where to start. Yeah. And I won't say it, it definitely wasn't easy. It was like the hardest work I've ever done in my wow. life. Uh, and and kind of like the, the real short story on my background is – my father was physically abusive to me and to my mother, and I saw him abuse my mom, and then my father, you know, physically abused me, and a lot of times I would have to, like, step in and stop him from hurting my mom. So essentially that just made me grow up way too quick and kind yeah. of, like, you loss put up a of, wall, huh? Yeah, loss of, like, innocence and childhood, and, you know, that kind of set me up to say, like, oh, I'm going to have to, be like— be defensive and, like, protect myself and others because, like, the world is going to be taking advantage of me. So, you know, going into therapy, like, I wasn't even aware that that stuff was influencing my life decisions. Mm. And now it kind of seems like a no-duh thing. But literally, I was walking around life numb is essentially what was happening. So, to get by and to survive, I learned the parameters again, which is like take great photos, smile, say hi to people, connect just enough, and then kind of move on, uh, go into your own space. And my struggle is still um, disassociation. So hmm. that, that was my survival space. Dissociating from yourself. For myself. So – this probably is not super common of a thing, but maybe to a very few people can relate to it. Like I've, I've had people when I've been in the room with them and I'm just feeling exhausted. I can like literally leave my body if I, it, that's what it feels like to the outside huh. world. Cause I, I can go so deep inside and the, like the little child in me can like curl up in a ball and just like lay down and like rest. And then I've just like disconnected from the rest of reality. Wow. Dang. <laughs> Welcome to being an eight. <laughs> <laughs> and and so, you know, without getting into too many details, you know, what were those early days of counseling like other than the hardest work you've ever done? You know? Um yeah, yeah. The earliest days were, you know, kind of the, the entryway, the pathway into healing and therapy is the start of it is talk therapy. Mm. And and when I talk about therapy, I'm coming from talking about from a perspective of trauma. So um, physical abuse, mental abuse, um, another way to think about it is like kind of like you've heard the idea of PTSD. Yeah. Um, all that kind of trauma affects the brain and the emotional well-being of yourself in a very similar way. Does everybody have some degree of trauma or does not – like how does that work? Does Is it just some people or – I mean, I'm, I can only speak for yeah. myself. Yeah, That's I guess probably, so. the, probably the safest thing. <laughs> um, but the only thing I encourage people to do is if they feel like they have experienced uh, trauma is to seek out a therapist. And then ultimately, for me, what was healthy 
was discovering and finding EMDR, hmm. which is a beautiful acronym that I cannot remember what it stands <laughs> for. But uh, so talk therapy was kind of like discovering that a pathway existed. Okay. And then EMDR is the experience. And that's the thing about the human condition is talking, reading, wanting to change does not bring it. But what does bring change is experience. And EMDR is experiential type of therapy. Essentially what you're doing, there's many different methods. Uh, There's like a rapid eye movement. uh, There's tapping. Some people use like buzzers in the hands. But for me, physical touch is very important. So my therapist um, in a pattern would tap on my knees. uh, And you kind of enter into a meditative state with, with your therapist and... Uh, it's not that you just like sit down on the couch and your you, your knees, you know, they begin tapping. It's like a, a process to get there. But essentially, you go into those memories, and then you confront yourself in the memory, and then you turn to where the trauma came from, and you say what for me like that twelve year old boy couldn't say and couldn't do. Mm. And then you turn back to yourself and you give everything, all the affirmation and love and things that that 12-year-old boy need it. And then you you kind of like meet your your kind of your spirituality there. It could be it could be a bright light. It could be, um, you know, it could be Jesus, um, kind of whatever your spirituality and energy is. And then you take that. For me, I took that and put it in a jar and put it on a shelf. So now, like, whenever I need to reach an access like I'm doing now, I can talk about it. And, like, in me feels warm. Wow. But it's not, um, like, breaking me down. Yeah. Wow. It's beautiful that you've been able to kind of dive into this and, and, you know, have a different experience when you think back on these things. For people who have known you for maybe, you know, like a decade or so, how would they describe the difference they see in you between, you know, the Theron they knew, you know, maybe even pre-Maddie <laughs> to the Theron, you know, that is around in 2018. Yeah. You know, I've, um, yeah, Ruthie Lindsay, she's been on the show uh, moons ago. She's been a dear friend through me uh, throughout the seasons. And, um, you know, again, kind of like you said, like, I, I don't think like historically I've ever, you know, I definitely have come up short in life and I have um, a lot of mistakes, but I've never really found myself to be cruel or, or, or mean, but I was definitely like emotionally detached. And I think now what I'm aiming to do every day is to show up and be present and to have that guard down hmm. and just to be seen and to be present with people. And, you know, that's like, it's difficult for me. It takes energy and, you know, I have to meditate every day and be really conscious, but it's like, just to show up and like, you know, when I feel like I'm enough and I'm loved again, I can love other people. That's beautiful. You know, you talked about the struggles you experienced as a child, but mm-hmm. also, you know, I know that you seem like a man of tradition and a man of, of legacy. You know, what aspects of your family legacy mm-hmm. are you still holding on to, even though you're letting go of the painful parts of that experience? Yeah. And that's the, uh, I mean, that's been the struggle of the South. Yeah. Uh, you know, we have a lot of beautiful things about the South. And then we also have a lot of work to still do. 
and we have a lot of uh, areas that we still need a lot of redemption. Um, and the same thing's true with my family. Like, you know, my, my granddad, you know, would, you know, just like kick my ass in the field, you know, if I didn't listen right. But then there's this other side that, man, he could like fix any tractor. And I loved riding on his tractor. Like I loved going through the barn. Like I loved driving around the field with him. And like, I loved his Southerness and his slowness and, um, just his presence. But then there's this other side that was, um, like really painful and hurtful. And like, in some ways, like, um, set me up to have to go inward to survive. And that has been my burden to, to unpack and heal as an adult. Um, so yeah, like I do hold on to things from the past, my grandfather and my father that I do think are really beautiful and traditional and, you know, Sunday dinner and all those kind of things. Like I really love that fried okra. Like there's like little slices of memories that are really special that I hope everyone around the country in their own little part of the world holds on them um, as well. But, you know, cause like we're definitely becoming more global now, more homogenized. So I think those like little details are going to become more important as time goes on. That's been a really interesting thing for me moving to the South, you know, growing up in the Pacific Northwest where we have, you know, no history um, (laughs) uh, or not no history, but we have a lot less history. Mm -hmm. um, And it's been really, I don't know, it's, it's been fascinating watching people unpack their experiences of the South and their experiences of, of legacy. And, um, you know, I just have that from the family side of things and much less from a location based side of things. Right. But I think it's something that, you know, is work that we all get to kind of be a part of. And I think that's, you know, it's a difficult nuanced thing for us to do, but to, you know, to take and learn from things in the world while also figuring out what we need to reject and what we need to throw away, what we need to, do away with. I think that'll kind of be the story of the next decade in America. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. And the thing I really have um, been on the lookout for on the past number of months online is we're really, the internet just kind of breeds um, a space for people to be like, you're either for us or you're against us. Mm. And uh, Brene Brown actually writes really beautifully about this in her new book, Brave in the Wilderness, way better than I can articulate it here. But, you know, my truth of life and reality lived has been life is really nuanced. And often when I get on the Internet and see things discussed and talked about, it's either your force or against us. And I'm like, it just doesn't it just doesn't translate into my experience. And um, when we start treating circumstances and positions that people are really passionate about with that sort of black and white, um, it doesn't leave any room and it creates contempt and division. It's essentially what happens. So you know, where I've been enjoying life the most the past six months has not been on the internet. You know, the internet honestly has been a little bit more of like just kind of keeping it going because it's been been good for business. And um, like the most joy I've had recently has been talking about 
even even difficult decision uh, discussions with people in person. Hmm. And like when you talk to people in person, not that they're always easy, but at least there's room for nuance. Yeah, and that's what's been the most difficult thing about being online in the year 2018. I think that transition for you seems really profound as well, because I would imagine with years and years on the road, you know, the internet is your number one connection point, mm-hmm. but you know, at the same time, you're, you're still not experiencing, you know, that full nuanced step that you can have in an in-person discussion. And I've been finding the same thing is true about myself. To, I think it was just this week I deleted Twitter and uh, Facebook from my phone and logged out on the computer. So I have to actually choose to go in and, and have conversations. Yeah. Um, and then I just log back out again afterwards. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's relatable. I, I recently deleted Facebook and Twitter apps off my phone, and it's brought me just a great sense of joy and peace, yeah. like not having them on the phone. And like what I realized is that I want to like know what's going on in the world, and I don't want to be disconnected. I'm not trying to like put myself into a bubble. Yeah. But I also realized that I don't have to have an opinion about absolutely everything that's going on in the world. Yeah. Well, and especially not immediately. I find that when I jump on Twitter or on Facebook, sometimes I inadvertently let other people tell me what to think when what I really need is solitude and quiet to Mm. process things. Right. Um, I'm reading this book about, it's a biography on Fred Rogers right now. And I so deeply admire Mr. Rogers. And the whole first chapter of this book is about how he always created space for silence. You know, in the show, he would have a solid 30 seconds of dead time, you know, where that's unheard of in any show today, but he'll just be like, Hey, let's take a moment to think about someone who has done something nice for you. And he's, you know, putting that into the lives of kids and maybe their parents. uh, But it was also something he lived out, you know, outside of his show. And, he just talks about how there's this profoundness in diving into yourself and listening and processing and not just constantly being stimulated by external things. Mm -hmm. I like that. I just watched a clip on him kind of saving, I guess you call it saving uh, PBS funding in front of the the Senate panel back in the sixties and kind of just changed everyone's hearts and minds and, I mean, you, man, that guy was ahead of his time Yeah. when it comes to, like, you know, communicating with children and, like, giving them what they need it just mm-hmm. to be heard, to be loved. Super yeah. important. It's really – it's beautiful thinking about how somebody can have such a profound impact on people, not in person. You know, I, I know that we just talked about in-person conversations, and those are important, but, you know, he had such an incredible platform to communicate particular ideas and – he used that in such a beautiful way. And in many ways, I feel like I've seen you doing the same thing with your accounts online recently. You know, I, you've got an Instagram account where, you know, more than a million people show up uh, to see your adventures and your time with Maddie and, you know, Maddie doing cute things. Uh, but you're able to to take things a little bit deeper in the process. What's you know, I have no doubt that that comes from a place of intentionality. Tell me about yeah. the journey of what you share online. Yeah. I mean, I think there's, um, you know, part of it 
is nuanced. Yeah. <laughs> in that I think like it's it's multiple pieces to that equation and and one of the pieces is that there's like the the a little bit of like the artist's ego is in struggle because like a lot of people will see my account and they'll be like, "Oh, you're just photographing a cute dog." And then kind of like from my more like ego side, I'm like, "Well, I'm like creating like conceptually interesting images that like I have thought of and I'm executing. Yeah. And you know, that, that is, that's my work. Totally. Um, so like, that's a piece of the equation that's like, you know, sometimes like in struggle. Um, and then the other part about it is that in that, so like what kind of comes out of that tension that I was just talking about is that like, I've always wanted to be made known that like, yeah, like I'm a photographer, I'm creating these images, I'm on this journey, my dog is with me, here's like our story, but I never want it to be totally invisible to it. And like I never really felt like I had like a pet account. Yeah. I felt like I was a photographer who, you know, photographed my dog on our journey together. Yeah. And then tell me about the captions that go along with that too, because I feel like that's an like that's an added layer, and and I totally see what you mean. Like I think, uh, I think that your account doesn't feel like a pet account. You know, it's it's really, you know, I think this wild idea is still a great descriptor of it because it seems like this grand adventure, this wild idea, um, and you know, Maddie is a character in it, but it's not that she's necessarily the focal point. And your, you know, your compositions would still be stunning and beautiful if it were, you know, an uglier dog or <laughs> or a different a different subject in right. the same photos. Yeah, and because this massive transformation was happening in my life, like from where like I was walking around, living life numb, not feeling anything, hmm. surviving, to a place where. Like, it felt like my chest opened up and there was a warm light inside of me. And I felt like I could be seen for the first time. Like, that was just such a huge transformation that happened within. I just couldn't continue posting online and not talk about that enormous piece of my life. So really what it became was like a way to shift gears and to become more personal and more vulnerable because it was happening in my real life. And I wanted that to bleed through, um, onto my like online space and to share that. And ultimately what happened was because of that vulnerability, it kind of made my, my work and my little presence there, I think more real, yeah. more accessible and kind of the opposite was true for me. For, for It's been a while since you've kind of heard this, but uh, at least since I've heard it, but uh, in the past people are like, oh, someone's like oversharing, maybe being too personal online. And kind of the opposite was true for me. I like needed more vulnerability. Yeah. I needed to let more people in. So that was like a huge risk and a huge challenge for me to do that. And But it was real and it was happening in my life. And I just like wanted to share it. And, you know, thankfully it like, it's gone over okay. That's beautiful. <laughs> That's good. That's good. I mean, I've seen some of the comments and, and people are, I think it's important. And I, I think, 
you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but it seems like there's something profound about you, like a, a burly bearded man from the South, you know, talking about inner vulnerabilities and, and you know, diving deeper and, and dealing with trauma. That's not something that you hear of from, you know, strong men like yourself all that often. Yeah. And I think I'm just a part of the small conversation about, um, redefining masculinity yeah. and what it means to be a man, you know, cause I come from, uh, I was raised by the generation of baby boomers and their parents who didn't talk about feelings, who didn't feel anything. They would, you know, you kind of, you know, trip and fall. You start crying as a little kid and they're like, that's nothing to cry about. I'll give you something to cry about. And you realize, um, that's not how you connect with your inner self. And that's like not actually what it means to be a man. So it's just like discovering that like for me, kind of like just in very like simple terms, like I can go into the woods, I can chop wood, I can drive a tractor. I want to get stuck in the mud. Like if I have a family one day, like I will be willing to protect them, but I can also connect with my inner self, like share my heart, be vulnerable you know, be soft and open at the same time. Like they're not mutually exclusive to one another. And for my whole life, they were kind of presented that they were. Yeah, man, that's beautiful. <laughs> I love that. And and maybe that's that's a nice spot to kind of start wrapping up. And, you know, I think that segues nicely to, you know, something I wanted to ask you. Has it been an hour already? It's been, it's been four hours. We've been in counseling <laughs> for four hours. It, it makes me wonder... What makes you feel hopeful about the future, both in terms of, you know, your experience and the experience of others experiencing the same thing or even just social media and, and the way that things are, are shifting, you know, from your unique perspective, what's making you feel hopeful? Uh, that people are looking inward. And I honestly don't think that we can have healthy relationships with our friends and life partners until we've unpacked and healed old wounds in our life, until we healed a traumatic childhood or other difficult life experiences. So, like, what I see right now is a lot of people, again, like, looking inward, wanting to do their work. And for me, the kind of, like, the the the, the capstone to that experience was uh, – going to on-site, which is like an emotional wellness center outside of Nashville. Essentially, it's a week-long program that's like a year of therapy, <laughs> and it's just experiential. And, yeah, it's just like a bunch of people coming there and, like, laying on the line and using experiential therapy to, like, heal yourself. And, yeah, I mean, and that's what I'm hopeful for is, like, the people that I'm surrounding myself with in my life, like, are doing that hard work. And they're also showing up with a lot of grace and realizing that our mistakes, those don't define our humanity. You know, like, we uh, are enough and loved outside of, like, what we create and what we've done. And for me, that's, like, really simple message, but again continually to connect with my with my inner self and not disassociate is like the beautiful challenge for me Theron is such an important voice in the world right now 
I loved my conversation with him because I truly believe that he's a part of a bigger conversation around redefining masculinity, which in my opinion is especially important in 2018. I'm personally challenged by Theron's advice to surround myself with people who are doing their inner work, while also personally aiming to be present and keep my walls down. If you're not already following Theron on social media, you absolutely should be. His account, This Wild Idea, is a wonderful place to be inspired and delighted by his travels and musings with Maddie. And while you're at it, make sure to check out his newest book, It is gorgeous. It's called Maddie Lounging on Things. You can get it wherever you buy books. And it's just a stunning, almost journal of years of adventures with this beautiful dog and this beautiful lifestyle. And I think that honestly, you can feel the peace that Theron is talking about. You can feel this change of pace. And so I highly recommend that you check that out. If you're new to Sounds Good, we would love for you to stick around. If you like this conversation, you would also love our conversations with people who are passionate about doing their inner work, like Amber Ray and Anise Moshgani. You can find their episodes and more than 100 more episodes of Sounds Good wherever you listen to podcasts. This podcast is created by me, Brandon Harvey, as a part of Good, 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 a community that believes in the power of celebrating good news and becoming good news. Chad Michael Snavely and the team at CM Studio edit and mix the show, and Chrissy Karenbrock brings her A-game with the production support. You can get lots more hopeful stories on social media by following us everywhere at goodgoodgoodco. We also just recently released our latest issue of the Good Newspaper, and it is full of real messy hope. Stories of peacemaking in Somalia, the Me Too movement, and the global trends of decreased childhood labor. Plus, we have a whole sports page this time. If you are a sports fan, this is the issue for you. We are really proud of it. We hope that you check it out and see what else we do at Good 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 by checking out goodgoodgood.co. And on that note, that is a wrap for this week's episode. Remember, like Theron said, you are already enough. And people will deeply benefit when you lead with vulnerability in your own creative process. Sound good? Sound good? 